0: Warning, spoilers ahead. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly.
1: He is not patient. Kill for
0: me. And he is not a welcome visitor. No, no, no. But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? How? Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside him. <laughs> fight him! You're not afraid of him. He doesn't even exist. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Fight him! Watch out for him. <laughs> we'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. You are all my children now. Freddy's Revenge.
1: <laughs>
0: Good evening and welcome to television. Hello! Hello! Hi there! Hi. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini, and welcome to Fredwatch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Joining me on this fearsome Friday, it is the fabulous Kendall Richardson.
1: (laughs) Hello. Kendall, how have you been? I've been well. Thanks for having me back. How are you? I
0: am... Well as well Thank you for asking (laughs) Glad to hear it We're overtly pleasant On a fearsome Friday Yes, yes I think we're maybe a bit too relaxed
1: Maybe We need to be
0: on edge It's a scary day It's a
1: scary spooky day
0: Yeah uh, Yeah, I'm a little concerned We're a bit too relaxed And might doze off (laughs) Yeah never a good thing on a fearsome friday
1: okay all right i think my fear just kicked in let's (laughs) let's let's focus let's let's go let's go let's drink our tea and stay awake
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) so wayne exactly what fearsome friday film are we discussing today
0: today we're reviewing 1985's cult classic a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge
1: please explain
0: The Walshers have moved into Nancy Thompson's former Springwood home five years after the apparent defeat of Freddy Krueger, Robert England. It isn't long, however, until their teenage son Jesse, Mark Patton, sees Freddy in his dreams, and the notorious child murderer attempts to possess the boy so that he may cause havoc in the real world. Jesse will need the help of his girlfriend Lisa, Kim Myers, who has to conquer her fears to conquer Freddy. Receiving mixed reviews at the time of its release, Freddy's Revenge is arguably one of the most analysed slasher films from the 1980s. Contemporary critics discuss it more favourably, delving into its contentious homoerotic themes. But Kendall, did you devour your serving of vengeance in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed this film, I, I think. Yeah, I really appreciated that. For a sequel in a slasher franchise, it did something different, mm-hmm. and it kind of worked. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect going to this because I am the newbie in the in terms of the Freddy franchise, in terms of a lot of these classic horror films. I'm finally watching them, and uh, yeah, so I had no prior knowledge going into this, mm. and I was wondering where the story was going as the movie was going along because you know we weren't seeing too many kills really yeah. like you know for a film like this i was i was surprised but then as the story starts to become more clear as to what's actually like what the plot actually mm. is it's like okay this is really interesting i feel like it did maybe fall short of the potential to be something really uh, i don't know like psychological yeah i think but i i definitely have to give them props for their attempts to to just really kind of go gung-ho for it in terms of just, I don't know, just bringing, bringing Freddie to life in a different way. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was very interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like the film isn't a complete success. It's always going to be challenging following up a movie as good and as iconic yeah. as A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And we see this quite commonly with classic horror franchises. Uh, the list is endless really (laughs) (laughs) and you know i don't think we ever really expect a sequel to be better than the original no if we do we're amateurs at (laughs) at this this game yeah Um, but in saying that we do expect to see more and i think it's okay to have more of the same in slasher films it's why we you know depart with our money at the box office it's what's What we paid the bucks for. This one, I'm not sure it really achieves that with Freddy. We see him earlier on. So we see him in that wonderful sequence at the beginning Mm. involving the bus. I thought that was really, really good. But Mm -hmm. you're right. It then takes a step back with him and aims for a more psychological angle, which we'll talk about a bit later and what that might actually represent. But that also probably doesn't go to the full extent it can. Mm. My main sort of issue with the story is that it really does push Freddy into the real world. And that's okay because we know it sort of can happen. We saw that at the ending of the first film. Mm. And that's how Nancy was able to defeat <laughs> i <Yeah>. guess <laughs> at least at that point um yeah. freddie right so like it, it's a thing it can happen
1: yeah
0: here he does engage with the real world a lot almost to the point that we can't differentiate between reality and dream world yeah now i'm okay with that because that's a part of the fun of the Freddy movies i think sure. is yeah. being faked out a lot yeah but for me, with this film, the lines are so blurred. You never feel like there's a fake out. You're just sometimes like, sorry, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I guess this is where that whole idea of Freddie possessing Jesse's body comes into it that mm-hmm. they can bounce between dream and reality because they're really becoming one. Mm. So I do get that, but I would have wanted that maybe explored a bit better. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm a little confused i'm like okay yep it's a dream and then it's oh it was real all along but jesse was elsewhere and then this happened the whole thing with the coach that sort of because at first i was like oh it's jesse's dream and then I was like, oh, hang on. The coach is copying it. So it's the, the coach's dream. Yeah. But And then the cops arrive at the door with him. He yeah. was here wandering and he was naked. And of course he would have been because he was in a shower as we saw. So yeah. I was like, oh, hang on. No, it was actually real. But then what part of it was real? Yeah. So like, I just feel like it's not clean enough. And no. you know look i 'm somebody who always who's critical of of people wanting things explained to them one hundred percent like I, I I will admit that yeah um, but i'm also very critical of a movie that makes you do too much work especially a Freddy movie. Yeah, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that for me coming into this, like I have only ex- really experienced Freddy Krueger in popular culture. Yeah. So when I'm watching this movie and exactly what you're saying is true for me as well, the fact that the the line between the the dream and the real world was blurred too much to the detriment of the story, I think. Mm-hmm. And especially for me coming in and going like I don't know what's real and what's not, but I'm thinking, but wait, isn't, isn't Freddie's thing that he kills these teenagers in their sleep in mm. the dreams? But then all this, every single kill in this film, I think, occurs in the real world, yeah. with the exception of the opening. But then in the opening, we don't see any death.
0: No, no, it's just so, a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, every single every single attack is taking place in the real world, mm. as Freddy is using Jesse as, you know, a vessel of sorts yeah. to, to enter the world that way. But it was so, yeah, it was so confusing for a, a franchise known for doing that, even that, like now, in hindsight, obviously, it's, mm. you know, nearly 40 years later, but... But, like, yeah. So, as much as I appreciate them trying something different second time out, for me, it was a bit jarring expecting the exact opposite. And then, Mm. for what they were trying to do, not delivering it to the level they probably should have. Especially because, yeah, there's just... Like, especially because the film starts... With a nightmare like that. Yeah, and
0: this formula, this pattern is established in part one. Yeah. And as you've just said now, it starts with a nightmare. So we're like, okay, cool. We know the rules, rules. We're, re- yeah. we're reminded of them. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I really loved the way the film opened because mm. it, it, they captured what dreams are perfectly. Yeah. Because it is a lot of the time we're dreaming about real world things mm. and then suddenly something will happen. That you know, once you wake up, uh, not possible. Yeah. But when you're there, it, it feels so real, exactly. and that's what this bus leaving the road and driving off, and then you know the ground crumbling away and yeah. all this fire and brimstone and stuff. Like it just the, that that was the one time the movie they nailed the blurring of that line. Yeah. And it was right at the start, so it's very it is very disappointing that they couldn't kind of quite balance it. Throughout the rest of the film,
0: probably. yeah, they don't really keep up that setup. No. Um, and because that sequence is gorgeous, the miniatures look great. So good. Like, just yeah. that whole thing is uh-huh. really, really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this does diverge off the track from what you know, Nightmare on Elm Street was supposed to be yeah. and, and what we experienced in part one. Mm-hmm. And Wes Craven didn't have anything to do with this movie. Okay. Right. So he um, didn't write it. He didn't yeah. direct it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really think he gave it his blessing, right? Oh, really? So this movie was released in 1985. And in 1988, Wes Craven spoke to a publication about the franchise. And he had said about part two, I didn't like the second script. I thought it was a silly script. There was not a clear-cut hero who remained intact. Freddy coming out of the hero really violated the viewer's ability to identify with him. I suggested they make the girl across the street the hero. I thought it would have been much wiser to make her the central character. I also thought they brought Freddy much too much into the realm of reality and put him in situations where he was diminished. You want Freddie to be always threatening and overpowering. But when he's running around a swimming pool with a bunch of teenagers who are all bigger than he is, he starts to look really silly. So I think that kind of captures what we were thinking and we were saying yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. and look, Freddy's always campy,
1: yeah. right?
0: So for him to look maybe silly and behave a bit silly, not so bad because that's where the humour comes into it. Mm. But if he's not a threat... Or he doesn't feel like a threat, well then what's the point? There's this gorgeous makeup and, you know, he looks slightly different here. I actually like the look yeah, here. Yeah, same. Sort of got this almost um, wet look to him. It's yeah. really disgusting and yeah. slimy. Yeah. Uh, I think the makeup's really on point. <laughs> that face is stunning. Mm. I was going to say gorgeous, but gorgeous it ain't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, really well done. Yeah so the elements are there and come on Robert Robert England you can't fault him right no not at all you can't fault him but yeah I I feel like the way that he's been written and and directed you don't really get a lot of personality from Freddie here no as much as the first film no so that was a little bit disappointing yeah so Wes Craven did touch upon the angle that they went with for this film in terms of our hero or as we like to call them now final person
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and in this case they went with a final boy Mm. so definitely flip the script on that one yes there's a lot we can say about jesse and there's a lot we can say about his role in this film and what he might represent Mm. so i think he was a bit confronting for audiences back in the day yeah right and critics weren't so sure about him weren't so sure about the film okay So we could argue, and I will, (laughs) because I'm ripping off other people's arguments (laughs) and what they've said, (laughs) is that Jesse is intentionally presented the way that he's presented to enforce this homoerotic subtext that is in the film. Yeah. So... Kendall, your thoughts on the homoerotic subtext of Freddy Part Two? What did you think?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, very, very, very interesting, especially I don't know, especially for a film made in the '80s. Mm. And I suppose you can, you can maybe get away with it more in a film like this Mm. where there's a supernatural element that you know lets you kind of use it. Maybe sort of use it as an allegory or some kind of metaphor yeah. or something. So that makes sense. But yeah, it's it's just a very interesting decision because they could have not done that. Yeah. But I don't mind either way that they did. But it was just a very interesting choice for me, and I I think it really comes through with uh, Mark Patton's performance as Jesse too. Mm. Like I just there's something about him that. I just I know, I really liked him yeah. in, in the movie. He's 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 a great actor. Mm. Jesse's very sympathetic. You relate to him, you know, you want him to come out of this okay. Yeah, I think he's actually that. a good hero. Like he I, I like
0: him as the final boy. He does yeah. come across as this really sweet kid.
1: Yeah, he definitely goes against the, you know, the masculine kind of mm. norms I think for, for men. And, you know, the way they kind of you know, he has relationships with two two men in this film, you know, mm. with Grady. Yeah. Who we think at first is the bully. Yeah. But then he's actually kind of a mate of his. Yeah. Which I found really interesting and I liked that a lot.
0: I like how it was established though because you're right, <laughs> they set Grady up as this bully. Yeah. And then when they're doing push-ups together, sharing this punishment, and then it's very much the enemy of my enemy is my friend because uh, Jesse's like, you know what's your beef with me? And Grady's like, nothing. And then suddenly they're like best mates. (laughs) Yeah. Because we've even got, when they're in science class and Jesse wakes up and there's a snake around him as well. You know, and he freaks out. Grady's done it. We think, oh Grady, you're being, you know, really cruel and mean. And Jesse just flips into the boat and then they all laugh and it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's just, A prank you would do on a mate who's fallen asleep Yeah It's actually quite innocent It is So yeah that dynamic is is really interesting It's
1: really interesting And especially too later in the film When uh, Jesse's struggling Mm. With what's happening to him Mm. And Lisa is like You know they're practically begging him To you know Tell me the truth tell me what's really going on mm. I want to be there for you I am here for you let me in and he's pushing her away and yeah. I'm guessing it's probably out of protection for her really mm. or and maybe he does he fears that he'll lose her if he's honest with her yeah so that's understandable but so but for some reason his go-to is is Grady yeah he decides to turn to him. For support and for help instead of his, you know, would-be girlfriend. Yeah. Very interesting decision.
0: Interesting. And I think that also does enforce its homoerotic subtext for as sure, well. For sure. So I do believe that it's the director, Jack Shoulder, who intentionally wanted to homoeroticize the movie. Yeah. But not necessarily for any progressive reasons. Okay. I think it was more because he was thinking, okay, who's the target audience of these horror movies? teenage boys Mm -hmm. what are teenage boys in the 80s like you know they're hyper masculine what might they be afraid of maybe pretty effeminate gay boys yeah so he's playing on the social fears of queerness at the time and really enforcing it Mm -hmm. through little touches in this movie now this is not something that jack shoulder has openly said that this is what i've done right until very very recently he's oh. finally admitted that he did want to play on the homophobia of his target audience and i think this is why <laughs> mark patton's been a little bitter over time yeah over it because he's using him as a vessel purely yeah. because mark patton himself is gay yeah and it's come off a movie called come back to the five and dime jimmy dean jimmy dean And I think his character in that had queerness about him. So we can already see my pattern being typecast here Mm -hmm. in the film. He is referred Mm. to as a pretty boy. Yeah. That he is the type of aesthetic that the coach would be attracted to. Yeah. The house is overtly hot all the time. So Jesse is in his underwear and he's not just sweating. He's glistening Mm -hmm. as well. You know, bare chest glistening all the time we've got the uh, bar that the coach goes to yeah you know that then he's obviously into bondage and there's that you know suggestion that he wants to do something similar with jesse as well being quite predatory Mm. but this is where those lines of dream and reality are are blurred and that's it's one of the things i have a a problem with Mm -hmm. in terms of that moment that you talked about before where jesse didn't want to talk to lisa Mm -hmm. uh, but wanted to go to grady he is thinking about this change or something that's going on inside him and we can maybe see it as as an allegory for the coming out process Mm -hmm. and and coming to terms with oneself Mm -hmm. because he's in an intimate moment with lisa Mm -hmm. but cannot commit to it and grady has that comment of you'd rather you know, sleep with me type thing. I'm paraphrasing, but implying you'd rather spend the night with a man as opposed to being with a girl. Yeah. So there's touches throughout in this movie. Yeah. None of it accidental (laughs) at all. Mm. So this is one of the reasons why i think it's been seen more favorably in terms of of queer film because we're we're okay now to discuss that it's not seen as a negative where mm. it may may have been in the 80s the director had an intention and he pursued it and he delivered it And now when we kind of enjoy looking for subtext, we're like, oh, okay, we can actually enjoy the film probably more than the audience of the day would have. So I think it's taken a lot of time for this movie to get some appreciation. Mm. So Cracked.com put it in a list of the five most unintentionally gay horror movies <laughs> obviously It obviously wasn't meant to be that way or start out that way no. but it developed for whatever reasons yeah. <laughs> into it but yeah, yeah you know used as a, as a method to encourage fear to its audience in in a certain way but now it's kind of applauded for it mm. which is which is kind of good <laughs>
1: goodness yeah yeah so
0: i mean look we've been talking uh, about jesse we've touched upon that what are your thoughts on mark padden as jesse
1: yeah well as i previously said i did really enjoy his Mm. performance i thought he was really great as a lead Mm. in the movie he had a good screen presence and a good chemistry with all of his co-stars yeah which i really liked I always bought the fear he was selling. Yeah. Like, it was very, you know... Like, there was never a moment where I was disengaged from what he was doing, what he was putting across. Especially because he has... Like, he carries the dramatic weight of the whole film. Yeah. Like absolutely. he has, he has the most work to do out of yeah. everyone. I mean, not just cause he's the lead, but because you know, what his character is going through is the most intense. Yeah. So I have, I have, um, yeah, great appreciation for, for what he's done in, in the film. But yeah. yeah.
0: But no, but I agree with you. I think, yeah. I think he's really perfectly cast. I think he's a pretty good actor. We want to go yeah. for final person. I mean, better than Heather Langenkamp who I didn't think I, too much same, of same yeah, yeah I, I
1: definitely agree yeah. yeah I
0: mean I think Mark is one of the stronger actors of the young people in this movie Yeah, I think for what they intended they got out of him I think he's directed really well in achieving mm. what they wanted to achieve mm-hmm. and his scream is so great yeah it's it. it you really feel the terror of yeah. it and again contemporarily they're all like oh he screams like a girl whatever that means, but you know, that's (laughs) the discourse. Mm. Um, but it works. Like for me, it really works. Like you feel how afraid he is and it's a different version of masculinity. Yeah, it is. It's quite, it's refreshing that he's trying to, you know, work things out for himself. He's going through all of these little traumas, but we can even expand it to just going through puberty it's like an allegory for that of all these different changes you're going through (laughs) and and the Freddy franchise does do that like it plays a lot on you know the sexual awakenings of young people and that's why a lot of the the dreams and the special effects and gags do revolve around sex and sexuality as well because you know we've got all these raging hormones (laughs) in teenagers so you know it's it's it makes sense mm. but of, of course we've got the, the added queerness of jesse um you know who and the name is very intentional mm. as well <laughs> you know mm-hmm. to, yeah so i no, i really do like Mike patton and it's a shame that his career suffered because of this role yeah uh, you know the social attitude at the time. Mm-hmm. But for a moment let's recast Jesse and see who else may have been the final boy in Freddy Part Two. Oh no, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. So a young man by the name of Michael J. Fox was oh. considered for the role.
1: Wow, alright.
0: <laughs> but he couldn't really be considered because he was making two movies at the time. Mm. Uh one was called Teen Wolf. Yeah. And the other one was a little movie called Back to the Future.
1: Oh, I think I've heard of that. May one. have heard of that one. Yeah. May, may have heard of that one. Yeah,
0: rings so, a bell. Yeah, so I don't know if it was a good choice for him to pick those instead of this, but Yeah, yeah. missed opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. Missed opportunity. But yeah, but you can see why Michael J. Fox would have been considered yeah. because he is, of course, you know, um, you know, short statured he's a small frame. Yeah. So it's still softer features. Yeah, so yeah. he's really going for that. Yeah. Yeah. And because he was in family ties. At the time, you know, it's that sort of wholesome and, again, yeah. young person from high school to college, like all of that type of thing. So mm-hmm. it, he fits the mould of what Jesse is yes. in, in the director's eyes. Other actors that were considered for the role of Jesse were Brad Pitt. Oh. John Stamos, oh hello, and Christian Slater—they all auditioned (sighs) for the role. Yeah, so that would have been interesting. Yeah, (laughs) wow. But again, for this film and what they achieved, I think they've cast well. Yes, I agree. They really have. Every protagonist needs an antagonist. We've mentioned him uh, already, and there probably isn't much to say because it's always (laughs) going to be amazing. Yeah. But you know, Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Second time round, he's yeah. very comfortable in the role. Yes. Um, and we're always happy to have him back.
1: We absolutely are, yeah. Yeah, he's he's just fantastic. Like, there isn't really anyone else that could embody Freddy Krueger yeah. uh, in this way. Mm-hmm. He just sells it. Even, you know... Look, he's an interesting-looking person even without the makeup. Yeah, and so the the way that the makeup does kind of amplify mm. his features is just is just something to behold. Um, and the way he uses that to his own advantage through his performance, yeah, is is great. I don't like at first. I remember being kind of annoyed by the like the modulated voice, like the changing mm-hmm. of the voice. But then as the movie went on, because like I'm still very new to this, obviously. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not really. You know, I've only seen Robert England in performances where he's speaking with his voice and he has a voice that fits Freddy, but for some reason they decide to, you know, kind of make it sound creepier. And it works. Mm. At first I was like, I don't know, but then I you know, going through the movie, yeah, I'm like, no, this mm. this this works. But yeah, he's no, he's great, but what you said earlier about how he doesn't really have too much to do in terms of yeah. his personality or his character, like he was definitely better in the first one.
0: Yeah, he's underused here and underutilized. I,
1: underused, yeah. So it is not a detraction of Robert Englund at no. all. It is just the script and what the director wanted from him. Yeah, because,
0: yeah. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. it is an interesting choice because to use an analogy that i will always use you, you've got the the shark in jaws right yes. so you're hiding him at first and those reasons are different reasons altogether why that was the, yeah. <laughs> the case. But that's for another podcast that is mm-hmm. one day one day <laughs> uh, but you know but then when they made part two they're like no we know what the shark looks like let's go and yeah. all you see in part two is shark the shark shark, shark. Yeah. here it's different yes they show him at first like, great freddy's here but They keep him very much in the background a lot. And yes, I get that the focus is on Jesse, that it is about possession. But you just think that they could have maybe used uh, dreaming more just Mm. to have more of Freddy Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and have some of those kills in dream sequences. So it's just not a quick snap, a hard cut. From Freddie killing in dreams to Freddie killing in reality, mm. it's, I, do, I wanted a bit of a softer transition. I think, yeah, maybe same. a more clear cut one. Yeah, yeah. But Robert England just absolutely amazing. So um, did you notice that he was the bus driver? I did. Yeah, at the very I did, beginning, I did. seeing I did. that beautiful face out of makeup. Yes, I
1: did. <laughs> I loved a, it.
0: It was a lovely touch and appropriate because who ends up driving the bus in the dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> so very cool. It very worked clever. out well. But I love that they don't make too much of a point of it. It's not like they hold on him or do no. a close up or anything. No. No. it's almost silhouette not quite you see you see his you face see clearly his face, yeah. but it's not like you know they they light him in a certain way so you can tell straight away or yeah. anything like that yeah uh, but i enjoyed that actually i thought yeah. that, that was really good
1: no it was great it's almost like for like for fans that you know if you know you know yeah kind of thing like a little easter egg almost yeah
0: absolutely yeah, yeah. but in terms of who Freddie has to deal with i think he plays off Jesse really well. Mm-hmm. I like the chemistry between Robert England and Mike Patton here. It's really good. Yeah. But ultimately the person who defeats Freddy is Lisa. Yeah. Played by Kim Myers. Mm. Your thoughts on Kim Myers <laughs> and the character of Lisa.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lisa's an interesting one in this in this movie probably the weakest of the main players agreed i would say yeah Yeah. definitely not the like the worst performance i've seen in a in a 80s horror movie Mm. um (laughs)
0: she has a lot of contenders and i will be honest she's not going to win as the worst that's for sure but in yeah in terms of this film yeah in terms
1: of this film yeah unfortunately she is the, the weaker of the bunch but you know i think she's She's okay, like, she's. there's not really much to her, I think, is the other problem. Yeah. Like, not only it does, she, you know, she, she not kind of live up to everyone else's standards of what they're doing with mm. the material, but she doesn't even have that much material to build off from. Yeah. You know? Like, she's very much a one-note girlfriend. Yeah. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to, I'm here for you. Yeah. Like, I kind of liked how they flipped... The, you know, because usually it would be, you know, the girl is, mm. is in Jesse's position and Lisa would be a man. Yeah. And I, so I love the fact that they flipped that. Mm. But I just wish they'd given her more to work with. I wish they'd given her more depth. You know what? Mm. Uh,
0: it's like in part one, um, Heather Langenkamp's character had a lot of character depth. Yeah. Her boyfriend, Johnny Depp's character, had a lot of depth. Yeah. So Nancy and Glenn were fully fleshed out characters. Yes. We knew who the final person was. We knew who their partner and main support was. Mm -hmm. They had distinctive roles. But they did a lot with what they had. Yes. But I feel like Lisa Weber isn't given the chance to develop as a character. No. And in turn, Kim Myers doesn't have a lot to do with her. Yeah. I agree. So for me this is where the script has a bigger problem and that's because she's in the background a lot yeah she's there quite like supportive yet yeah, lovely but again like you said one note is the is a perfect explanation description of her yeah but then in the final act she has to all of a sudden be the be- hero yeah like, she like i didn't buy it car- yeah the character does not own that no. and Yeah, I get what they're trying to do by showing her as being the supportive girlfriend or would-be girlfriend because Jesse's holding her at bay a lot. Mm. So you go, well, it would make sense that she steps up to the plate to protect him. But it feels very rushed Mm -hmm. because she has nothing to do for the... One hour and fifteen minutes before that. So yeah, yeah I'm like you. I didn't buy it. I didn't particularly want it. I thought it would have been much better for Jesse to fight his own inner demons, yeah. um, to find a way. Like again, yeah, I get it. It's possession, but have this sort of conflict between one or the other. Uh, but it doesn't work for me. No. So I think that's a missed opportunity. With this. If you've just got somebody there who's hovering around uh, for a bulk of the movie, they need to either continue to hover around or be killed off. (laughs) There's no point turning them into something in the final reel. There was Uh, no setup. there was no foreshadowing, no... No indication that she had this in her. No. And yes, she has to face her fears and her fears embodied in Freddie. but we get nothing before that that. to indicate what her fears might be like. No. So, yeah, for me, the Lisa Weber character is almost immaterial and irrelevant to this film. Yeah. Had she not been put in that position to rescue Jesse and to save him, She's got no purpose at all. I mean, unless you want to really reinforce Jesse's queerness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it's showing his distance from her and and finding solace in a man and, you know, and have, he's awkward with her and all of these things. Like I I can get it. It, it, Like there's layers. Like I do get it, but make her more interesting. Yeah. (laughs) You (laughs) know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this film is like 85 minutes and I understand that like, Horror films, slash, slashes especially. The pacing's fast. The story's short. You know, get him in, get him out. That's fine. But you could literally add five or ten minutes mm. to that runtime and beef up her character a yeah. bit more, yeah. or at least explain why we're making her at the, we're giving her the forefront because she doesn't really see the full brunt of what Jess, what's happening to Jessie until just before then. Yeah, they don't. There's no. They don't lay any kind of seeds for. For audiences to follow mm. to kind of get why she'd be in this position. And then because of the way it's written, too, like Kim Myers just cannot rise to the occasion of what she's supposed to be doing in this moment. And it's, I feel like it's a missed opportunity, mm. especially because we've been spending so much time with mark as jesse and that great performance he's giving for it then to be kind of undercut yes to have this like conflict kind of removed this inner conflict with freddie yeah so
0: they expect her to go from one to ten yeah in just moments but even if earlier on there was something that happened and didn't even have to involve freddie that showed her you know finding this courage and bravery within mm. to to be really heroic. Mm. And I'm not saying grand scale save nah. the world heroism, but just something mm. to say, oh yeah, she's got guts. Yeah. Like yeah. she she can do something like that. Then mm. we believe it because we've seen it, but it just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I yeah, I like you I had a problem with the Lisa Weber character. Kim Myers okay actor in this yeah. Not brilliant, so no. I don't think that that helps the character anyway. So, no. yeah, missed opportunities there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Robert Russler played Ron Grady, who, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, had a lot of development in a few scenes. We thought he was a bully, yeah. but he's just actually uh, a pretty much a top bloke, a typical teenage boy <laughs> who's a joke, but can also be sweet and sensitive as well. So, um, when Robert Russler did the audition for this movie. He was filming another movie called Weird Science. So it was oh. on his last day of Weird Science that he went to the audition for this. <laughs> and his mate, by the name of Robert Downey Jr., oh. who was also in Weird Science, yes. drove him to this audition. I oh. thought so you might like that little trivia yeah. bit, Kendall.
1: Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> As a Robert Downey Jr. fan.
1: Yeah. I wish Tony Stark would drive me around. <laughs>
0: Before any of us knew who Tony Stark yeah, was, right? Really? <laughs> Hadn't really entered mainstream pop culture. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but what we do have is, I think, an excellent performance by Robert Russell as great. I love the character. Yeah. I love the performer. Yeah. He typifies the 80s alpha male, mm-hmm. uh, but there's depth there. Like yeah, it's, it's it's similar to what they did with um, Glenn in part one. Yeah, it's you know this sort of jock-looking, gorgeous guy who's obviously very popular. You know, like and both of those boys tick all those boxes, but both had sensitivities and depth. And I do love that Grady shows that sensitivity mm. to Jesse. Yeah,
1: you yeah, know, and he, he's not afraid to.
0: No, he doesn't have like a girl to be sweet to and, and we don't see like sensitivity mm. to a girl I mean like yes he's interacting with females all the time and he's yep. talking to them and all that but he's not that sort of soft and and sweet to any of them right. like he is to Jesse and I really like that same I like that and I tell you Robert Russell sells it
1: he does yeah yeah he sells it yeah he sells it very well and I really liked his performance as well and I just it feels like a breath of fresh air to have a character, especially a male character like mm-hmm. this, in the mid-80s that is not just the douche jock, you know, yeah. the bully. Like, there, there's way more to him than, than meets the eye. Yeah. Like, I love, I, I love that so much, I can't say enough, because, mm. you know, I mean, the horror genre is filled with enough tropes as it is. Exactly. So it's you know it makes perfect sense that you know you should be able to take some of these characters and these tropes and subvert them and mm-hmm. change them up do something different and so this is i feel like where the homoerotic subtext really shines the best just in the way that it gave the opportunity for these characters to be something more yeah, and more engaging and and just, I don't know, you, you, you really, really like Grady, yeah, you know, like he makes sense as a character and, and I just, I don't know. And there's just something about him and especially the way that Robert Russell portrays him. It's just awesome.
0: Oh, I agree. 100%. And I think especially because, you know, we talked a lot about Jesse's queerness and queer overtones. There is never any doubt or no indication that I could tell from this reading, this viewing that we've done, that they're trying to suggest that Grady has queerness. He is very much a heterosexual man. Mm-hmm. So I think that that makes it even stronger. Like mm. that character depth makes it stronger. Yes. And how they position him with Jesse in this story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a great character, a wonderful actor. Just again, typifies what an 80s, you know, teenage male looks like and behaves in a typical 80s teenage way, Mm -hmm. but then also does subvert it at the same time. So, you know, the depth that Grady shows, I think, is something that they could have done with Lisa as well. Absolutely. You know, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but yeah, definitely like the Jesse Grady relationship dynamics, I think is the highlight for me. Same. In terms of the characters and the acting too. I think yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Were there any other characters that stood out to you, Kendall? Ooh. What, what do we think about Coach Schneider played by Marshall <laughs> Bell?
1: My God.
0: <laughs> Enough said. <laughs>
1: Oh, and what? Yeah. What an interesting. <laughs> I feel like that's when the subtext becomes text.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. That's
1: when it's just—it's very on the nose. Like, you know, I kind of—I feel like <laughs> I had an internal laugh. I think to myself when I realised that Jesse had found himself at this. S and M kind of club, yeah. And then the coach was there because there's that comment that Grady makes about yes. what he's really into. The yeah. coach is really into, and you just you feel like it's just going to be a one, you know, a, a, like a, a one liner sort of moment. but of Then th- the fact that we get to actually see it, like I love the fact that the movie goes out of its way to show Coach Schneider's fetishes brought to life. Yeah. But won't spend a fucking second with Lisa. <laughs> <19. laughs> develop like like.
0: not jo- only show the fetish but kill him in a fetishized way yes
1: oh my god Jack yes Jack's shoulder really is just like nope it's homoerotic it's homoerotic guys we're not doing anything else it's homoerotic Lisa is potatoes okay. <laughs> It's it's homoerotic But yeah, I don't know Look, um, Marshall Bell though His performance wasn't fully there for me Either, unfortunately Because he kind of fits the bill Of that, you know, gym teacher Who's the strict strict, You know, you you, you mess up You do laps, you mess up, you do push ups Kind of thing I feel like the only reason this edition of his S and M lifestyle came into it is because of what Jack Shoulder was trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only reason it's there. And for his death to be so sexualized, Mm -hmm. you know, as a reflection of that is also very interesting and it kind of yeah, it just for me I just feel like they were they went a bit too far, maybe, Mm. with it. Like it didn't need it wasn't really necessary, but I get why they did it, but at the same time it just I feel like the movie was being clever enough with the subtext mm. and didn't need to add this, like, on-the-nose kind of stuff with it. And then because of Marshall Bell's performance not being up to mm. snuff either, it's kind of helps it to fall short of what it could be.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they were playing it as a gag, because, you know, it is playing off on that um you know the locker room towel fight yeah type thing. They really enforce Coach Schneider's sexuality and his fetishes. I think to continue to present queerness as an evil because mm-hmm. he is a villain. So they're villainizing mm-hmm. queerness again. Yeah. What Jesse's going through, if we want to look at it as a metaphor, as an allegory, it is a struggle. It's not something easy to come to terms with and of course in real life it is not something easy to come to terms with here but jesse's not rewarded at all because at the end of the day he still ends up with lisa so he's you know defeated Any queerness about him, and the person who is fully fledged queer, who is you know out and and is just living his best life, (laughs) really, uh, is punished for it. Yeah, you know more so than you know because you know when you've got that antagonistic character in a horror movie, that's not the key villain all we want to do is see how grisly they die yeah right yeah but with this the manner that schneider dies you feel like it's a it's a punishment for queerness mm. not a punishment because he's super strict with jesse and grady yeah. and you know some of the other athletes i'm sure yeah so maybe i'm reading too much into it but i just think because yeah. it's so in your face compared yeah. to everything else yeah. that you have to sort of Read between the lines in, as you said so beautifully, it's not subtext, it is text. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. And especially considering Jack Shoulder is, you know, has recently said that he that's you know, he wanted to do the homoerotic Mm. subtext because he wanted to throw the homophobia back in the audience's Mm. face and say, you know, no, this is, you know, you you need to change your attitudes. Mm. But then by the same token, he's Presenting yeah. Coach Schneider in this way And offering him in this way It's very conflicting Yeah, so
0: I wonder if it is You need to change your attitudes Or these are your attitudes Start squirming in your seats
1: Yeah I wonder yeah. You know yeah. So I think
0: queer audiences Enjoy Freddie too mm. These days Because yeah. they might You know, just enjoy The, the subtext Or text uh, <laughs> that, that is in the film Yeah, yeah because it's, it's A representation And the fact that it probably wasn't intentionally to be as queer as it is kind of makes it more fun yeah. to engage with because mm-hmm. you know a campy cult classic is only a campy cult classic because it's not intended to be campy <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right yeah so there might be <laughs> elements of it here but i think the film reads better in a contemporary viewing mm. than it would have back then. Mm. So it's actually one of these films that probably was using an offensive route <laughs> to to say something and do something. Mm. But now it's kind of like, no, we're not offended. We're loving it. This is hilarious. Let's go. <laughs> let's, do, let's do this. So, yeah, like I, I, I find it interesting. But The Coach is, you're right, very much present in his queerness in being antagonistic to jesse mm. and getting an iconic death in this franchise mm. um when you talk about Freddy part two you always talk about coach schneider's demise but yeah any other characters stand out kendall um, I mean, we've got sort of jesse and lisa's family there
1: yeah we do yeah they're probably the only other um kind of major players in this like I don't have too much to add because we don't really get too much time Mm. with a lot of them, but I suppose we focus on Jesse's parents the most out of the supporting cast. A very typical kind of mother-father combo. You know, the Mm. mother is sensitive Mm. to Jesse's pain wants to help him, yeah. wants, you know, wants to do the right thing by him and acknowledges the trauma he's going through mm. and dad's just all, you know, masculine, male, like, yeah. nope. And he just needs a good smack up the ass, Like, yeah. it's, you know, we're not, he doesn't need any help. He needs to get into, you know, he's out of order, blah, 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 you know, all that mm. stuff. So that's infor- reinforcing those, those tropes and that's, you know, that both of the actors in those roles do, you know, fine enough job presenting those characters as they're written. Yeah, because they don't really have much more of a purpose than that, I suppose. No,
0: but I, I find also, like, Mr. Walsh's attitude towards Jesse, you're right, very harsh and, and mm-hmm. strict. And, mm-hmm. and, like, the first time we see them, we see them reacting to Jesse waking up screaming. Mm. And it's not even a reaction. Like, oh, there he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, we, and it feels very cold until... Christy Clark, who plays Angela, Jesse's little sister, acknowledges that he's having yet another bad dream or that he's waking up screaming again and they've Mm -hmm. just sort of accepted it. So it's an interesting way to introduce the parents. Mm. But I think that you're right, whilst there isn't that much to them, they serve the purposes of the plot and fit in Jesse's world really well. Like I think that I think they're well written for what they need to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But the writing can be brilliant. We still want the kills. Let's be yeah. <laughs> honest. Kendall, your favourite kill or practical effect?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I I definitely don't have a favourite kill in this one because for me, there weren't enough of them and the ones that we did get didn't really kind of tickle my fancy in mm-hmm. terms of other slasher movie kills that we've seen while yeah. doing this podcast. Yeah. However... The practical effects were brilliant. Mm. Of course, very of their time, yeah. but advanced for their time, yeah. I'm sure. And even today, watching them, you know, they still hold up in a way. Yeah. They're charming. Yeah they're, yeah, they're they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. You know, because I'm. You know, these days you watch TV shows or movies. And even the fire is fake. Yeah. And that, that bugs me. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, not to say I want actors to risk their lives <laughs> or anything like yeah. that. But, you know, there's this, you lose a certain you know, connection to the yeah. film when you notice something so obvious fake. Whereas here, the, everything's practical. There's no CGI to be found yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And it's so effective. Yes. So my favourite use for practical effects... I mean, obviously, it just has to be the moment where Jesse transforms into Freddy. Yes. Oh, my God. I was in my seat just squirming yeah. and and but just eating it up at the mm. same time. It was so well done. Yeah. It was so well done. The only negative thing I have to say about it is the fact that once Grady has been killed, mm. we cut back. And It's suddenly Jesse. Yeah, and he's covered in blood. And then we see Freddy in the mirror. And I like, I get that. Yeah, that's a trope. Yeah, that's that's fine. I don't mind that. But the fact that, because this is one of the key examples where the movie loses the audience on the the blurring of mm. reality and like the dream and the re- and the real, they could have done it a lot better because everything that's that could be in the dream, it would be if it was the first movie. Yeah, is actually happening in the real world. Like, there's just. the fact that you see and grady sees jesse his friend turn into this monster yeah and you're like okay i guess this is real it's not a dream all right cool we're in we're staying in the real world but then we're not getting any kind of connection or reinforcement of you know how exactly is, is jesse suddenly jesse again mm. after that physical transformation the real world things that happen yeah. in the real world are, are real yeah right and you know yeah. at the end of the film not to skip to the end but you know when we have that moment where jesse comes back yeah out of freddy in a re- i loved that moment yeah and it made sense if they'd done something more like that yeah. here mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they didn't because they were doing it later i don't know but i feel like that's where it's you know, the gorgeous effects are just kind of cheapened a little bit for me just yeah. with, with that
0: moment. It, it should have stayed free it sh- it sh- because that, you know, that transition has been done. That position has been done. Yeah. Then the goal is let's release Jesse from Freddie. Exactly. Like yeah,
1: exactly. And maybe let's see Jesse in the mirror.
0: Yes. Instead. To say that he's still in there. Exactly. Would have been perfect. Would have been
1: perfect. But the, if not, but not to take anything away from the, the, the VFX crew that did yes. this because, It's incredible.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. It is my favourite practical effect as well. Like, you know, uh, everything about that scene is perfect. Grady's reaction to it as well, Mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, We don't see a lot in terms of Grady's death, but Robert Russell's performance... From the, the the trauma of seeing what's happening to Jesse mm. to, you know, we cut away from the other side of the door and see those, those nails, those knives Ugh. come through the door yeah. and there's blood and we can tell that it's because he's literally impaled yeah. Grady and has gone through. Like the suggestibility is really good in that as well.
1: Very good.
0: I agree with you. That sequence is excellent. Mm-hmm. We talked about the sequence on the bus and, mm. you know, how the ground just collapses under mm-hmm. them. I love that. Yeah. One of my favorite kills. Please don't hate me for saying this.
1: <laughs> I could never. But go on.
0: <laughs> the exploding budgie. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> you did not react, no. and I stopped laughing because I. Because I know how you feel about the representation of animal cruelty on screen. Yes. And that just means that you are a normal and sound human. <laughs> but when that budget exploded, I thought that was hilarious. Because I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. there's those little hints about the blurring of reality and dream. Yeah. And that Freddie's making his way through. And he's making his way through uh, these motifs of fire. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry that was hilarious <laughs> How much of a low scale Birds was it with one bird Flying around attacking It, the was, it, was. it was so bad Yeah <laughs> so She exploded I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> So that was one of my favourite yeah, kills no. Probably in any horror movie ever to be honest <laughs> <laughs> it <was> so funny <laughs> Oh my god That's where you really go What am I watching yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. It definitely, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, <laughs> it's a, bit of a dusty moment for sure.
0: Now, did you find it amusing at all, or were you just so disgusted by the death and by me that you did not have a further opinion no, about no, it?
1: no, no. I... I would, look, I just went with it. I was yeah, like, all, all right, the movie, yeah, the movie wants, wants to do this. I'm like, all right, sure, movie, let's go. But I, I did internally have a moment when you let out a little laugh. And now that you've told me that you stopped laughing because I didn't do anything, it's so funny. I felt
0: so bad. No, no
1: don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, because, like, yes, it is true that I don't really, you know, condone or, or like watching movies where animals yeah, come into course. harm. You know, yeah. it just, for some reason, I just... I'm a little, you know, bitch about it. It just, it really upsets me. No,
0: it just means you're human and you're yes. not a sociopath. Kendall. no, I no. oh, it happened off screen. You see the feathers, yeah, and it's so silly. It is, it that's is. why I laughed. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I okay. do love uh, animals too. People just putting it out there. No, yeah, of course I know you. do. <laughs> right. I
1: know you do. Yeah, but no, no, yeah, but you're right. It did. It does come <laughs> off a bit. <laughs> just the effect of the feathers. <laughs> You know, what
0: a Looney Tunes cartoon. A
1: little bit. <laughs> it was A little bit. It didn't. Yeah, it did not achieve the desired effect because then, as, as the feathers are falling, you're watching the faces of the, of the Walshes and just you're you're trying so hard to to just feel the fear, so, but there is none. There is none. Yeah, that is definitely the least scariest moment in the entire film, and I'm going to dare say maybe the entire Freddy franchise. I feel like you
0: might be right. <laughs>
1: But I, I hold no ill will towards you for laughing. Thank you, Kendall. Not at all, not Thank
0: at all. Thank you. When we revisit this movie one day, expect an eruption of laughter. Yes. From I, me. I,
1: and I will laugh thinking about this conversation. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> so good.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we do have a Freddy franchise, but mm. you can't have a franchise if a movie does not do so well. Mm-hmm. So this one did receive those mixed reviews from critics and I guess even audiences as well wouldn't have performed as as well as the first one I don't think okay um so its domestic box office was 30 million which Mm -hmm. is really good against a budget of 3 million yeah however audiences overseas particularly Europe who aren't as uptight about sex and sexuality as North Americans are Mm. really enjoyed this film and that was enough to encourage Part 3. That's down the track though. Mm. So, some further stats on Freddy part 2. Yeah. So it holds a 5.5 out of 10 score on IMDb. Mm-hmm. 41% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. 43% on Metacritic mm-hmm. and 85% of Google users gave it the thumbs up. Wow, A's. that's a
1: high rating. Absolutely.
0: Google users are not that fussy.
1: <laughs> Love good
0: horror movies. They do. Love good horror movies. They do. Look, all valid scores and opinions, but of course, Kendall only yours matter. No,
1: oh, <laughs> stop it.
0: You score out of five in Final Thoughts.
1: Okay. Yes, yes. No, I really, I really did enjoy this film. For all the little nitpicks and flaws we've pointed out as we've gone through our discussion, I think as a whole, I would definitely watch this again. I'm really glad that it exists. Just because, you know, it's a, a film made in a time that didn't appreciate it for what it was. And the fact that we are here now, like 35, nearly 40 years mm-hmm. later, talking about it, discussing it, and and analyzing, you know, everything that they were attempting to do, and in some regards did succeed in doing, mm-hmm. I think is is a testament to the filmmaking uh, of the cast and crew, um, and yeah, you know, just anytime a sequel tries to do something different, when it works, it works, and I love the fact mm-hmm. that for the most part it does work here. Certain characters are focused on more than others, as mm-hmm. we've said. So there's not an equal balance in terms of, of, of that approach to the storytelling, the practical effects, top notch. Should have won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> should okay, should have okay, been Should have been Oscar <laughs> nominated?
0: No. No. <laughs> no, well probably. For their time they were great. For you know? their time. Yeah, absolutely very, good, yeah.
1: Very, very good. And yeah, but there's just a couple of, you know, just a couple of things that just prevent this film from being what it truly mm-hmm. could have been. I think the ending kind of cheapens the film. Just, I mean, I love the fact that they brought it back around to the bus. Mm. It was, it was very clever. But I, I, hated the way that for some reason, no reason at all, Freddy's just back. Yeah. I mean, I like that. You know, they had to go for a cheap jump scare at the end. Like, sure, whatever. You're yeah. a horror film. You've got to do what you've got to do. Uh, I get that. But I didn't. I didn't really. I feel like that could have been handled a little bit better, especially because. <laughs> you know, going. You know, going in at the beginning of that scene, we have you know Jesse. He's got his bandages on. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can't believe I'm finally going back to school. So it sounds like it's been a while. But then when they get on the bus and they're taught, you know, and then Lisa's best friend is like sitting behind them. And she goes, "Some party, Lisa!" I'm like that was great. <laughs> I'm like, wait, it's only been like like a day or two. Yeah. Has, I, that, that, for me, that didn't correlate with what Jesse had said. And yeah. I was like, that feels weird. Because yeah. um, there's no
0: sense of trauma whatsoever no. from what he's experienced.
1: No. So it made me feel like it. maybe it was like, you know, a month later or yeah. two weeks later. But then the fact that, like, my mm. friend was like, it's only been a couple of days. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> that was quick recovery. Yeah. So that kind of, yeah, undercut that. I also would have liked maybe a connection more to the first film Mm -hmm. just because you know we are at a sequel and i know it's a it's a horror film and i know it's you know freddy krueger is a character that could never possibly exist in the real world but and you have to suspend disbelief obviously Mm. but i would have liked if the story taken some time to maybe connect the two movies a bit more i mean i do appreciate what it does with the Mm. fact that they're living In Nancy's house. Yeah. It's been five years since the events. Like, that all makes sense and works. But I think, I don't know, just the fact that, you know, the movie's called Freddy's Revenge. Yes. Nancy's not around for him to get his vengeance on. Yes. So that's an interesting thing that I feel like they could have maybe explored better or done or handled better. Yeah.
0: You know what? You're right. And I think because we know that, really, Freddy's... Revenge. Well, that's what he's about. He's mm. avenging the parents on Elm Street, even though Jesse's parents had nothing to do with his demise. No. So, yeah, you could argue that. So, who is he really seeking revenge for? Yes, he's in, you know, the 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 house that that Nancy was in. So mm. he's got that connection. Mm-hmm. We've got the diary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess from uh, Freddie's point of view, yeah, it's kind of like. Who, who are you going up against? If it was Nancy again... It's all you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: Like you know, Nan- maybe Nancy could have been the girlfriend mm. instead of Lisa, mm. or maybe at the end of the movie we could have an in- you know similar shock ending. Yeah. Maybe have Jesse having th- thought that he defeated Freddy. Freddy suddenly returns as he's coming face to face with Nancy. Yeah. Maybe some something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That might that might have been um, might, may have elevated the film a little bit better. But you know, for what for what it is, it's enjoyable it's a good it's a good time i liked it like it's not perfect there are flaws but it's good enough for a 3 i think so. yeah i agree
0: with you i think yeah. it's it's a it's a good movie i don't think it completely achieves what it sets out to do Mm -hmm. again had the difficult job of following a nightmare on elm street yeah but freddy's revenge has some really good elements and some interesting elements in it i think the roles of jesse and grady are the most interesting here Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the visual effects look really good i do agree that the kills are nothing special there's not that much creativity in them besides grady's demise and that's really elevated because of everything that comes up before yeah, that yeah. like Gr- grady's demise is good don't yes. get me wrong yeah, yeah and if anything it's probably the better of the human <laughs> deaths yes. in this movie mm-hmm. but the lead up helps elevate that as well but if we think also about part one there weren't a lot of deaths in that either true but they made them count
1: they absolutely did.
0: whereas here you know if we look at Freddie in the pool, and, you know, it's just slashing and moves on. Yeah, like,
1: that missed opportunity there. Yeah,
0: like that's okay. It's a slasher movie. Yeah. But that's not the hallmark of Freddy. No. That's the hallmark. Not what he's about. No, that's the hallmark of other. Horror villains, Mm -hmm. right? So because that's that's their mo. Mm -hmm. It's not Freddy's one, no. Really, good point. So yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think the kills let this one down a lot, but the effects are great. Yeah, they've got charm. Yeah, you know they would have just blown audiences away back then. Oh yeah, but they're so good and so well made. The craftsmanship is just outstanding on the miniatures and just the visuals and how it all ties together. I love the look of Freddy's makeup. I think it's really good. It is slimy and creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Some casting is really good. But you've also got... It's a bit yin and yang, isn't it? You've got the other side of the coin where some characters are just really underwritten. Mm. Just there to be there. Yeah. So this This is is very much a mixed bag of a movie. It really is. Um, I want to like it more than I do. But it's not a write-off, and I will absolutely watch it again. Middle of the road, but that's not a bad thing. No. Considering the final product. So three stars from me as well.
1: Wonderful.
0: Well, Kendall, <laughs> we've experienced Elm Street again. We've yes, survived on this we, fearsome yes, Friday.
1: Yes, we have.
0: Maybe now we can relax.
1: Maybe, maybe, May- maybe we can sleep
0: maybe, maybe, maybe For now anyway For now
1: <laughs> Until next
0: time Until next time <laughs> indeed I've been a Wayne Stellini
1: I've been a Kendall Richardson
0: And you've just experienced Fred Watch
1: Cue the music
0: and See. Scene. Blooper reel. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Let's drink our tea and stay awake.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Forgot again. (laughs) I feel like on the script I need to do do. lead lead Wayne in.
1: You do. I'm so hopeless. Oh my god. Oh, it's a good blooper though.
0: (laughs) We like do this every six months. No one can blame you.
1: (laughs) True. We do. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, wait, actually, I'm going to do that again. We're saying well too much. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Did you devour your serving of vengeance in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge?
1: (laughs) Oh, oh. Ah, did I devour? Did I? Was there devouring happening? Well, there was definitely chocolate (laughs) devouring. That was true. (laughs) Yeah, every single every single attack is taking place in the real world mm. as Freddy is using um, oh fuck what's his name? Why well, I just some Jesse. I just yeah. The whole movie with
0: Jesse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you want Freddy to be always threatening and overpowering, but when he's running around a swing sharing a punishment together of doing the the push-ups, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, the 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 oh, fuck what's that line about being a my enemy's enemy is my friend.
1: The enemy of my enemy, enemy is, is my, my friend. friend. Yeah,
0: yeah. He'd just come off a film called "Come Back to the Five and Dime," Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean. Okay. Let me make sure I got that title right because it's very long. Yes, I did. Yay. I? Okay. <laughs> Means nothing now because I'm. <laughs> <We're on track. laughs> okay. Uh, it, it did feature on a list. I'm going to start the sentence again.
1: So I have, I have um, yeah, great appreciation for, for what he's done in in the film. Um, yeah, there's something else I was going to say, and I've, it's gone out of my brain, but <laughs> it'll come back at some point. But yeah.
0: yeah. Mark Patton, and it's a shame that his career suffered because of this role. Yeah. Uh, you know, but again, because of the time that it was made, and and the the, the social and community feelings, and yeah, uh, that was a horrible way of explaining it. Oh, the mood. Social mood. No.
1: Social context? No. Um, know
0: how society's feeling at the time. Um, uh,
1: the attitude. The attitude. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And because he was doing... Fam- <gasps> family <What>? ties. Yes. <laughs> I was going to go family ties and I thought, no, family matters. I'm like, no, Matter- on family. Family ties. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to have somebody who is just hovering around... Ho- if you've just got somebody who's there hovering, hmm? why can't I say hovering? Hovering. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and for his kill to be his death, to mm. to be in such a you know fetish, fetishized, fetishized. I can speak the word right. Uh, <laughs> is it fetish fetish fetishized? fetishized? Sexualized. <laughs> Sexualized. <laughs> can't say a word. Find a different one. Yeah, because I can't say it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm.
0: They really enforce. Uh, Schneider, Coach Schneider. Schneider. Schneider.
1: Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's a good. It's a good time. And I hate scoring films. I gotta. <laughs> I hate scoring because I'm like I'm gonna give it this score and then and I <laughs> and I say this to myself every time I do this podcast and it's just the worst and I know you hate it so <laughs> shoot me. Um. Yes. No. Okay. I. <laughs> uh, score out of five. Fuck it, I'm just gonna give it a three because I liked it. Mm. I liked it. Like, it's not perfect, there are flaws, but it's good enough for a three, I think. So. <laughs>